Thanks for tuning in to Weather Hype, a podcast where we talk about weather, climate, and how it affects you. I'm Min. And I'm Castle. And today we're going to be joined by Dakota Smith, who is the co-host of the weather podcast, The Weather Junkies. And we're excited to have him on, and we're going to be talking about narrative communication, telling stories in meteorology in a different and creative way to get information across to the people. I can't wait. Here we go. Now I'm the reason why you broke up with him and got back together Thought I was sunshine, but baby, I'm bad weather I'm off the Doppler in the five-day forecast By the time they hear me, I've already pushed the shore back No, no, I wasn't always like this Skies cleared soon as my daylight lit Sidewalks dried up, no snow emergency I could take your February and turn it into spring I was born on a storm When I get gone, I get gone And I don't need anyone to know better Welcome, everybody, to Weather Hype. We are happy to be a part of National Weather Podcast Month, and we are joined today by Dakota Smith, who is from the Weather Junkies. Welcome, Dakota. How's it going? Welcome. How's it going? Uh, I'm I'm great, you know. I <laughs> just saw you guys in Seattle. <laughs> I don't know if I asked uh, if you're great or not, but thanks yeah, for Yeah, I know. Oh, well, I am great. So. Just kind of <laughs> offered that. You know, this is this is awesome. But we're glad you're doing I, well. I gotta be honest, this is awesome. I'm kind of fanboying right now because even though I know you guys, uh, well, I guess I just met you technically in January. But um, no, I met I you met before that. I met you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Met you over the summer. Yeah, yes. yeah you just met me <laughs> yeah. technically. But I love <laughs> your podcast, and I am just so happy to be on, and it's great. And thank you. Yeah, we're happy to have you. We love having your podcast and listening to your podcast as well. And it's all about a, a nice little weather community that we have. And now I guess the weather podcast community. So we try to bring people on every now and then. And we're glad to finally have you on because I know we've been talking about it for, for a while, but it's finally coming to fruition. It's happening. What are we going to talk about today? I So I gave this talk in Seattle about my podcast, uh, Weather Ready or Not. And I kind of like va- like very briefly went into this part about talking about communicating through different mediums in an artistic way. And I think it's super useful to communicate and educate uh, when, when you can really captivate someone and, and grab their attention. And I don't know, I think it'd be a fun thing to talk about. Um, I have like a little bit of a story to, to kind of like lead into it. But uh, and I know Castle has the the actual science, the actual social science behind it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just kind of talking and blabbering about anecdotal stuff. But um, with the weather ready or not, it, is that a subsector of the weather junkies for those who may not be as familiar with it? Yeah, so that's a podcast that uh, Becky Elliott and I host, and technically it's on our weather junkies like iTunes and Stitcher and and whatever you get your your uh, podcast. It's it goes through that on the weather junkies. But uh, eventually, it's going to be a separate thing. It, you know, it costs money to host podcasts on, uh, to host them in general. Uh, so eventually, we're going to make it a separate thing. But right now, it's just through there. And Becky does an awesome job with it. Uh, and ba- I guess basically what we do on that is we examine weather events and talk with people who experience those events and kind of like dig into their perception of the forecast and what actually happened and then we talk with meteorologists in the area and what they were communicating. And sometimes we talk to emergency management. And I don't know, it's it's fun for me to do, and that's why I do it. And hopefully someone, a uh, few people can take something from it and learn from it. Um, my hope is to tell a story through it and an interesting story so that people stick around and listen and then end up learning something. Yeah, I definitely I've listened to uh, the one that I think you did the venue safety in Colorado and you had a perspective from like family members who are running from Red Rocks, I think. Yeah. Um, I think it was your mom. Yeah, right? it was my mom. 
And then uh, there was other ones about the ice storm mm-hmm. and there's Hurricane, Hurricane Matthew, Matthew one. So yeah. it's good to get that perspective from people because I don't think we get a chance to talk to the people affected as much. And the fact that you have people on there who, I mean, even though they're people that you know, they still offer this perspective from the public, a non-science, non-meteorologist perspective that I think is so important for us to all kind of hear, you know? Yeah, exactly. Because I, I feel like a meteorologist and people on Twitter and other social media sites talk about what they think the public actually thinks. You don't actually know until you actually talk to them. Um, and in my case, yeah. I'm doing it anecdotally. You know, I'm not doing anything scientific, so... Um, you can't apply it to a, a broad population. Um, I know that you and Castle do that in your studies, but I, I kind of wanted to get more of an anecdotal side of it and not 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 so much the scientific side because that's what I would go to grad school for. Yeah, and I think that's okay too because, yeah, definitely. you know, we need people who can tell stories and tell them effectively. And I think it was running into the whole thing with Hurricane Matthew where I was writing a, um, a blog entry for The Weather Social and I was thinking, okay, well, you know, these are my experiences and, you know, it's not a scientific experiment that I'm doing. But it's kind of telling a perspective that I think we can all learn from. So I think what you're doing and what Becky's doing with whether ready or not is just as beneficial, even though I think we're trained as students to try to make things that are, you know, publishable or Mm -hmm. engage in these special scientific techniques. Uh, But I think the public finds much more value in things that are understandable and relatable as opposed to, oh, look at this journal article about this and then somehow translate it to people. If you can make it enjoyable and interesting like you guys do, then, you know, I think it's all the more beneficial to everybody who, you know, is able to listen to it. Yeah, think about like the 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 mediums that get the most attention and influence the most people, like National Geographic, Planet Earth. You know, they they're not they're not nitty-gritty scientific. They tell a story about the science and about nature, um right. while at the same time educating you about what's going on and and you don't even realize you're learning something. The story I told at AMS, my mom called me up one day and she uh, told me she was like hey you want to go see Hamilton in New York I, I was planning to go to New York and she just called me and said that and I was like uh, Hamilton that was a president right and <laughs> you know I, I had no idea what she was talking about um, and that Hamilton wasn't actually a president but I went to New York City <laughs> and saw Hamilton and uh, I hadn't listened to a single track of that before then and I just fell in love with it and one night a- after I came back from New York I found myself like just Googling and looking on Wikipedia about everything about the history of that era and Mm. Burr and Hamilton and their duel and like all the politics of that. And I was like, what am I doing? I hate history. I hated (laughs) history in high school. I took a history class in college and I hated it. And then I felt tricked. I was like, Lin-Manuel did this thing where he put on this awesome show and convinced me to, to learn about history. I don't really know if that was his uh, purpose or his intent, but he did it. And uh, I don't know. I think it's really cool when, when artists do something like that that has a much broader impact uh, than just going and seeing something and enjoying it, you know, thinking about it after after the fact. Yeah, and I think, um, well, first of all, I don't know how you got tickets to Hamilton because those are really hard to find nowadays, slash way above the amount of money that we make as graduate students. Well, okay, so my mom knows someone. (laughs) Oh, Oh, she got connections? Yeah. Ooh. But Dakota, going back to what you were saying earlier Mm -hmm. about getting that inspiration from Hamilton and doing your research on your own, it kind of reminds me of 
I guess when you see anything that you're watching, whether it's a movie that, again, or a show that had no intention of maybe educating you, but it piqued your interest enough to do the research on your own. And, you know, whether that's a documentary or like a song and you, you know, oh, that was really interesting to me. Let me look it up. If you can inspire someone to do that without directly trying to teach them about weather, then I guess it's almost just as effective, if not even more effective than just telling it, telling them, okay, this is what's happening with meteorology. My hope is that more of of what you just described happens in our field, in, in weather and climate, especially in climate. Because climate, I, I know Castle wanted to talk about this. It's such a hard thing to uh, like describe accurately. Because most of the time you're talking about weather when you think you're talking about climate and global warming. Um, a documentary, actually, um, uh, Before the Flood was awesome and, and did a pretty good job at, at telling a story. You know, it wasn't perfect or anything, but I think it did a pretty good job by keeping your interest and and also educating in climate science. Um, So I'm hoping we can, as a community, do more of that uh, for weather and climate. What you're basically both describing is something in the communication, in the discipline of communication, they call education as entertainment messaging. And so it's a persuasive communication tool that uh, people use in order to obviously persuade someone to either think a certain way or to behave a certain way. And so like the best thing that I can think of is Grey's Anatomy or like Sex in the City, like these things where they kind of thrust a situation upon its audience. So like, uh, I don't want to say like teen pregnancy, but that's that's a common used one. Um, and it, sh- it goes through like, how does the character react to this kind of problem or issue? And then it kind of helps the audience learn and become educated or think a certain way or act a certain way based on how those characters that they may or may not identify with have acted. It's kind of, it's along the same lines. It's, it's pretty close, I think, for kind of what you're both describing. Yeah, for sure. And then also, um, you know, we talked about these movies or different things that can um, get your interest and whatnot. So, you know, Day After Tomorrow, mm-hmm is one example, an inconvenient truth. If we're talking about climate change is another example. And Castle, I sent you an an article maybe a month or two ago about how, and I think I tried to pull up the article on my computer, but uh, it's an article that was doing research into the retention, how much people pay attention to this kind of stuff after the movie or documentary. Mm -hmm. So after you're watching this, you're like, whoa, I got to do something. You know, climate change is real, it's scary, at least for inconvenient truth. Day after tomorrow is a little bit... (laughs) Well, a lot uh, dramatized, but um, you get that interest of the uh, the viewer and then they feel compelled to do something. Mm -hmm. But then the uh, the rate of decay of interest is pretty quick after Mm -hmm. maybe a week and a half or two weeks. Then people don't care anymore and other problems start to Mm -hmm. um, overrun their problem that they see with climate change, things like crime or more localized issues that you deal with on a day-to-day basis. So while you may care right after you watch the movie and you leave the movie theater or you after you pop the DVD in, a week and a half, two weeks later, you're not going to show as much interest and you'll kind of go back to um, where you were before you watched the movie to begin with, which is interesting. It's the intention that these people are making these you know documentaries to raise awareness. And it's not saying that it's not raising awareness, but these studies are showing that the actions taken afterwards by the collective public isn't as great as one would hope, right. which is 
kind of sad, but I mean, it is what it is. When you look at like the comm literature or like the psych literature, that what you're referencing is called attitude stability. And so it's basically how stable is someone's attitude over a period of time, especially after they've been introduced to some like uh, some kind of stimulus. So, for example, like a documentary or something like that you were talking about. And so I think it's normally about like two weeks is the the sweet spot for how stable that new attitude or belief actually is. Can you guys think of any personal experiences where you watch something mm, and you yes. felt compelled and then maybe after a while you stopped caring? Uh, I can think of one where I watched the documentary and it stuck with me and it's still to this day I have not. What's the McDonald's one? Uh, Super Size Me? Yeah, I haven't eaten McDonald's since I watched that. Oh, so you, you're saying wow. this stuck with you? Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What about you, Dakota? Uh, Bowling for Columbine. Another documentary. It was a documentary by Michael Moore about gun violence that one really stuck with me and maybe it was because we were kids when it happened uh, my cousin also went to columbine when the shooting actually oh, happened wow, wow. so that might be like another personal yeah, thing that personal that's connection. why it stuck with me so much yeah yeah personal connection i think really strengthens that uh how, how much longer you think about it yeah what about you men uh i don't know i what documentary did i watch recently i think they're all related to climate change and i clearly have <laughs> your bias <laughs> not an agenda already. <laughs> but a little little biased with that. I think the last one I watched was uh, The Island President, where the president of the island nation... Ugh, what, which one is that one again? I forget. One of the countries that's going underwater, and they're talking about what they're trying to do to be resilient slash adapt to the, the rising sea levels because their country is literally surrounded by water. They don't have much to do and, and anywhere to go, so they're going to be refugees you know, before you know it. That one was interesting, but again, I've already been doing work in this kind of stuff so it didn't really change my perception or my attitude or anything like that i still eat french fries and mcdonald's so <laughs> super size me did me not too. affect me i think there was wasn't there a documentary about being vegetarian there was like one um, that was saying how there's like yeah, animals that, is that it i think i watched part of food inc yeah and uh, you know it freaked me out it's gross but I think maybe a week after I tried to like not eat meat, but I, I still like my chicken nuggets, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> which is fast food, which is McDonald's. So, but yeah, I guess we can remember also the ones that we care about the most, but maybe the ones that we, we kind of let fade away, we may not remember as well. This probably relates back to the idea of resistance to persuasion. So like how resistant you are to receiving the message that the documentary is trying to send at you or give to you or like whatever their goal yeah. of the documentary is because you already have an affinity or like you really like chicken nuggets so that's going to raise <laughs> your resistance to that persuasion because <laughs> because of your affinity for chicken nuggets <laughs> thank you for that that's a great example You're so welcome god now i need to eat some chicken nuggets and i haven't had dinner yet so this is kind of a problem um but yeah no these are good things and it relates to the idea so castle and i well i know i am in castle you might be trying to we're gonna go to the science march yes in april late april in washington dc if we're able to and and you know do a stand for science and climate change and everything that we represent so i guess what I'm trying to get at is with climate change and trying to convince people because, you know, it's really hard to do that. And a lot of times nowadays, it seems like we're all going to social media to try to convince people, whether it's Facebook or tweeting at people. And also in a day where facts are not facts anymore, like what do you do to try to convince people? Are documentaries something that we're going to continue doing? Are we going to try to do better education at a lower level? You know, how do we 
get creative with how we educate people and get them to think in terms of like you know the better greatness of our planet that's a great question <laughs> i have no idea <laughs> um i mean the thing that i would suggest is kind of what we've kind of already been talking about is the use of narrative communication i think is really going to be important in moving forward with climate science and climate change information so i feel like we've talked about it on the podcast before but a lot of people dislike climate science and climate change related data and stuff because we feel or they feel like it's being thrust upon them or that we're deciding for them that climate change is a, is happening and they don't have the evidence or the time or the data in order to come to that conclusion themselves. And so I think that's really where the benefits of narrative communication come into play is because if they are given this narrative about Joe and Meredith who are <laughs> why Joe Joe no there's just the first thing that came to my mind. Meredith so, <laughs> Go on, go on. Sorry. Okay, if Joe and Meredith are trying to deal with how climate change is affecting them, it's such a large time gap between when we actually see climate like happening compared to weather, which is like more in the present. And so I think by them reading some form of narrative about two individuals that kind of relate to them or that they can identify with, they can be like, hmm, you know what? If Joe and Meredith thought climate change was actually happening, then maybe I do too. And based on this information, I think that climate change is actually happening. And so instead of us thrusting an opinion on them, they themselves have come to that conclusion. With that in place, it's more likely that their attitude is going to be more stable because they feel like they came to that conclusion themselves and not someone else forcing it on them. So I yeah. think that's where narrative communication really has its benefits of kind of persuading and kind of sneaking in under the radar about providing these key messages that um, aren't so in, in your face or in the public's face. Something that's been on my mind a lot recently is meteorologists, TV meteorologists talking about climate science yes yes talk about it yeah and and whether or not they they talk about it is a decision that's not ultimately left up to them a lot of time it's their news director and how much time they're given and so you know it would be great if every on-air meteorologist could talk about climate science once a week that that would be awesome Mm -hmm. um even if it's just that that little that would be great i i i don't know if people would trust them because it's there's like this thing where you know well people think don't i don't know there's you know there's the common joke you know a meteorologist the only person that can keep a job and be wrong half the time i haven't heard that one before Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah right and and so like i i don't know I, i i feel like it might be applied to that and because it's such a partisan thing uh it might be even even more so might be uh, like oh they're wrong they're, that that's not true blah 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 um, and I think I think a really good way to to kind of get the climate change story across is to tell stories of people who have been impacted mm-hmm. by climate change that is really tough to do but I think if you're if you were able to do that effectively and in a in an artful way I think you could change a lot of minds uh, you could show how Families have been uprooted, economies, local economies have been uprooted. Um, and then there's the fine line of, of was it weather or was it mm-hmm. climate change? Because, yeah. 
that's always, you know, it's hard to attribute weather events to climate change in general. That's my two cents on on kind of that part of it. Well, there was an article that was in the, um, was it the Capital Weather Gang or Washington Post, Castle, do you remember? Um, are we talking, we may be talking about different ones. Are you talking about the one where it's like meteorologists and geologists are the most skeptical about climate change? I think it is. I think there was okay, like I think that was two like or three Boston different articles. Or something. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. The um, Boston Globe, I yeah. believe, ran the article. So their article was talking about why are meteorologists on TV so skeptical about climate change because i believe the folks at george mason university mm-hmm. and um ed maybach in yale as well they found that less than 50 percent of on-air meteorologists actually believe that climate change is anthropogenic human yes. induced and they did a highlight feature about a meteorologist in boston who was let go from her station she was the science reporter and she used to be a meteorologist, but I think she was playing the role of science reporter. And she questioned whether or not climate change was human caused mm-hmm. or you know, partially human caused. So they fired her. And so a lot of people were saying it's not right for a media station to fire someone because they have uh, a view that is different from what the station management believes. And it can go either way. Like if you believe in climate change and the station management doesn't, they could fire you vice versa. And this is what happened to this meteorologist. But also I believe she was quoted saying that she didn't believe that vaccines were safe and that they Mm. could cause, cause autism. And so I think that in my mind anyway, because I know how I feel about those two things um, made me question her even more. And so, so I was kind of like, uh, I don't know how she's on TV as a science reporter. She doesn't know like this kind of information because you need to know what you're saying and, and do the research behind it. But anyway, there's a lot of different folks like at George Mason in their climate change communication program who are trying to get broadcast meteorologists to inject more climate change information into their nightly newscasts. So you have Jim Gandy, who's I think at WLTX in Columbia, South Carolina, who does a segment every week or so, and he tries to relate it with that narrative communication we're talking about. So he's given a few talks before, but in relating to climate change, he'll talk about things like poison ivy. You know, the warmer the temperatures get, the bigger and more potent poison ivy will get. And because poison ivy is a big problem in the Midlands of South Carolina, then people can relate to that because they can go out in their backyard and then, you know, suffer from being, you know, I guess, itchy from poison ivy from having contact. And so if they can see that, okay, well, poison ivy will get bigger, then I can relate to it more. Same thing Mm -hmm. with like mosquitoes. There will be more mosquitoes around because it'll be warmer or there will be more wildfires in the western areas because it'll be, you know, drier or whatever. I think relating it in that way gets people's attention more. Who's to say? Because, you know, there was a big debate, I think, on social media yesterday about, okay, California's had, like, an awful drought. Now they're literally drowning in water. (laughs) So how do you, to a normal layperson, how do you tell them, like, okay, well, this happened, that happened. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, we can't definitively be like, yes, climate change. You can't, even though we want to push that agenda, we can't say that because there's no proof of this one, you know, time span of events happening where Mm -hmm. California was literally like thirsty F and then now they're like (laughs) literally drowning in lots of water. (laughs) Okay. So I think that what you said, like all the things you just said relate back to one thing, which I'm currently thinking is like perception of time. 
And so climate, because it's such like a like a larger span of time, it's hard for people to relate to it on a day to day basis because of those additional risks that may pop up. But it's also interesting if you think about for both meteorologists and geologists, their perception of time is in such a in such a way that it doesn't present well for climate change belief. So like a meteorologist is like hour to hour or like at the day, like a couple days, three to five days, like max. And then you have geologists who are like 10 to 50,000 years ago. And so what you really need is the climatologist. They're the nice sweet spot in the middle. So like their perception of time matches up really well with climate change beliefs and attitudes. So to me, it makes kind of some sense why meteorologists and climate or meteorologists and geologists have a different perception of time and thus are more, quote, skeptical of climate change. But then that also goes back to California, um, trying to figure out how their perception of time differs as well. I would argue that with geologists and having that longer time span, climate mm-hmm. changes for people who are not in favor of agreeing that climate change is human induced. They always go to the argument that, you know, the Earth is, you know, the eccentricity of the orbit and the wobbliness of the tilt and the axis or whatever will, you know, induce issues or ideas of climate change because, you know, there are cycles. It's the Milankovitch cycle. I believe mm-hmm. that's our argument, right? So with the geologist who goes back thousands of years, if not even more, yeah, to more. look at you know how the formations change. If you're looking at climate change at a very very long term way with ice cores and other pieces of facts that we can dig up and look at the past for that long. I feel like geologists should be able to see eye to eye with people who are climatologists because we do look that far to kind of figure out why it is, in fact, the case that, you know, humans are helping to cause the earth to warm. I can see that point as well, but I think that they're more focused on the super duper long term effects of the earth changing. And I don't know if climate is quite that large um, from their perception of time. But again, I'm not a geologist. I've never had a geology class or anything like that. (laughs) I'm just thinking in terms of like perception of time and how people understand time and think about it and its relation to risk and communication, which is also an interesting topic. What I've gathered from this is I think we should, uh, the three of us join and, and start a TV channel where all we do is talk about stories, climate change stories. Yes. Storytell. Yeah, so if there's any Dude, any billionaires listening right now, uh, we would gladly accept your yeah, <laughs> yeah. executive producer. We have a couple of billionaires. <laughs> Bill and Melinda, hit us up. So if you'd like more information about narrative communication or uh, any of the theories that we talked about on this episode, you should definitely uh, check into other theories such as transportation theory, entertainment overcoming resistance model, social cognitive theory, as well as elaboration like the hood model. So Castle, word on the street is that you are trying new things. What what have you tried new recently? I actually tried yoga for the first time yesterday. Um, my friend Doris, shout out. Um, she is a listener Yo, of the Doris, podcast. Yo, Doris, what's going on? <laughs> she is trying to get her license, and she's, so she's doing a lot of practice classes with a bunch of us. So she has what she calls yoga with friends. She invited me to come out yesterday at 8 a.m., so early morning. Ugh, so early. Yeah. But yeah, it was... I walked in kind of abruptly and so I was like, hey, what's up? And she's like, shh. And everyone's like, um, like doing their. (laughs) And so I was like, oh, oh, sorry, sorry. And so she was like, take off your shoes. And I was like, rookie move, man. Two rookie moves, two strikes. 
But I mean, like, I, I should have gotten there earlier, but I went upstairs to warm up, like, on the treadmill before I started doing all the stretches. I don't know what yoga does, just what I've seen on TV. So <laughs> so I got sat down and we did our, our ums. I made sure to harmonize because, I mean, why not? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think anyone appreciated it, though. They were trying to center themselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then we did all kinds of poses, like we did the mountain pose, which is like your resting state. So it's like you go back to that after every pose so that you can like relax your body and kind of catch your breath a little. But we did warrior pose, triangle pose. Uh, we did something called the slab post. Um, it was pretty what? interesting. Uh, we had to like flip over and put our feet against the wall. And like, yeah, it was it was it was an interesting one. Um, did you do it? I did it. Yes. I do not wow. have pictures of me doing it, but I did do Dang it. it. I have okay. pictures of me doing a new pose that I don't a remember. A nude pose? No, new in <laughs> EW. <laughs> um, it kind of looks like I'm a uh, a bird or something because my, my arms are like back behind my back. So it looks like I'm flying a little. Interesting. And then we finished up with the corpse pose, which was my favorite. It was just l- literally laying there. Um <laughs> <laughs> Stop. What the heck? Are you serious? That's what they call it? Yeah, corpse pose. But it was a lot of fun. So did you like it? I did. I did. I'm going to go back next week. Um, my body, I'm so sore right now. It hurts to move in every way. Um, my <laughs> my back, my lower back hurts the most. So, Or it doesn't hurt, but it's like sore. So. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, so thanks, Doris. Appreciate it. Looking forward to next week. It's not. It's not hot bakery yoga. It's not. It's it? not they... hot yoga. <laughs> no. Okay, because that's when they turn up the temperature to like 105 or something like that. I have a yeah. friend who's an instructor, and in, uh, I think Australia. I think it'd be yeah. interesting. What to do it in like 105 degrees? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you sweat out your toxins or whatever, but I feel like that's like a heat index issue. <laughs> like, well, not heat index, but like, I need to issue well, a heat advisory. I'm going to issue the heat advisor for that uh, <laughs> yoga room. <laughs> my mom Get too hot be. in there. <laughs> the chance it'll be... Uh, yeah, oh, yeah body, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You can put a spot forecast for the National Weather Service. <laughs> um, can you put a forecast inside of this building for me? Because uh, I need to know the conditions. Oh, my goodness. Have uh, either of y'all done yoga before? Yeah, I did it as a kid with my mom, but I haven't done it in like, I don't know, 15 years mm-hmm. or how old am I? Yeah, that's about right. But my girlfriend does it all the time. Abby? My cat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My cat and my girlfriend do yoga all the time. <laughs> I'm sorry. How does your cat do yoga? How does do your yoga? cat do yoga? Just, you know, everyday stuff he does oh, is yoga. Oh, gotcha. He, like, like, stretches against the wall and, like, <laughs> like I don't know. Instead of umming, like, he's like, meowing. You know, he, like, hunches down and, like. Yeah. Downward dog. Yeah. I feel like his <laughs> life cat. is just one big yoga pose. Yeah. D- downward cat. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, uh, I was going to say something stupid. Like, I didn't realize yoga existed 15 years ago. <laughs> but that's really dumb oh, yeah. to say. I don't know if it was as popular. Yeah. I mean, my mom used to do it at the YMCA. And I, I haven't done one officially. But I, I've done, like, poses for fun. Mm-mm. I think one time my friend was trying to get me to do, like, a scarecrow oh. pose. And I think that was kind of, it was almost like a break dancing like, freeze move you do. <laughs> where you're, like, on your hands and then your legs are, like, in the air and it was it was i don't know it's really weird but i definitely i think i did a yoga pose one time and like sprained my back so uh (laughs) that wasn't cool but no i think it'd be a good thing because i think it i need to strengthen my core because that's why i have some back issues so i think yoga would definitely help to do that 
I didn't realize that you actually verbally out loud say ums. I thought it was just like a silent meditation. Me either, but it it happened. It happened. <laughs> Did you like that? Was it awkward at all? I felt like it was awkward, but um, everyone <laughs> else seemed to enjoy it. But I had just gotten there, so I didn't really understand yoga at that point. Yeah, um, you didn't do any research ahead of time? No, I didn't, which is kind of unlike me. But <laughs> I think it's just more about the experience and like trying to center yourself. And uh, Doris yeah. was like, I want you to leave feeling different than when you came, like your state of mind also. <laughs> not just your f- sore body. <laughs> yeah, not just the physical aspects of the workout, but also like a mind like calming and like peacefulness. Um, and I definitely felt that. So... Maybe we should do that, Dakota, so we can uh, clear our heads, so we yeah. can finish up our uh, graduate school and feel good about our lives. <laughs> I think you're right. And I think we should do it before every podcast <laughs> that any of us ever record. We should just <laughs> make a WX Yoga trend on Twitter. Weather yoga? <laughs> <laughs> we could have Google Hangouts and just like drinking with Mets, yoga with Mets, and just, Yo, do, yoga with and just do yoga uh... on Google <laughs> Hangouts. <laughs> I don't know if the world's ready to see that. <laughs> it could be a special session at yeah, AMS. Yeah, Yeah, that would be such a good idea. I feel like we'd have a lot of people who would be interested. Slash, I feel like somebody in that crowd of over like 5,000 people probably teaches yoga on yeah, the side. Yeah, there's probably a licensed, to be. licensed yoga technician. What is the <laughs> We get castle, castle by uh by austin in uh january 2018. You need yes. to be ready to teach yoga. So work on that certification. One of my fellow grad students... Uh, teaches yoga and she goes to AMS oh, every year. Boom. So there we oh, go. nice. We'll have to uh, get her to throw it together and not really, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would have to have I a really know. cool title though. That session would yoga with Mets. I don't know. That yeah. sounds pretty good. I don't know. Yoga and I'm trying, keynote yoga. I'm trying to think of a Y word in meteorology, but I can't think of one right Could now. Could yoga be like an acronym since we were fond of acronyms? Heck no. <laughs> Never. Cause I can't think of a Y word. Uh, yesterday you you could just like put it at the end of meteorology or something oh yeah meteorology yoga, yoga? yeah <laughs> i like it <laughs> meet meteorological <laughs> yoga <laughs> i don't know uh okay well we'll work on that yeah. <laughs> we'll get back we'll, with we'll you. get something going <laughs> i don't think i've ever talked about yoga in my life <laughs> you're welcome you're welcome you're welcome yeah thank you for that So now that we got the yoga-ness out of the way, we should probably talk about our songs of the week. We should start with our honored guest, Dakota. What have you chosen as your song oh, I'm honored. of the week? You are. Always honored, always dude. Honored. What are you talking about? Holy snap. Before I do my song, what's the name of the song that intros a show? Because I really <laughs> am in love with it. Baby, um, I'm Bad Weather. Ba- yeah. By Toussaint Morrison, nice. right? Yep. It was it's, actually on like a Geico commercial or something, right? It's um insurance, insurance, yeah, which is Geico, I think. It's like, yeah, because it's definitely like familiar. Yeah. yeah. So I guess insurance somehow ended up with free music too. Like, we <laughs> <laughs> that is such. I can't believe you guys got that for free. That's amazing. Yep. I mean, it's um, technically not free. We we love and thank him for allowing us to use it and we make sure and cite him in the description of (laughs) mention him and him yeah credit him in the in the description of every episode so thank you if you're listening we appreciate it i appreciate it um okay so my song of the week i don't know how weird week is um by childish gambino if you're not familiar with him he is his name's donald glover but his rap name is childish gambino he was on community 
and he wrote for 30 Rock. Uh, the first song, Me and Your Mama, is amazing. I really like it, and it's different. Wow. It's weird. It's- Do you know about Childish Gambino Castle? I have heard the name, but I would not be able to recognize any music, I don't think. I think uh, maybe a few years ago, there was a pretty big song that uh, he did that came out on the radio. I forgot what that might be. And then super weird tangent but remember that time i went to colorado and, and ran into all those famous people aaron paul and sophia bush and stuff yes well one of the people that was in that group of people from la was like the secretary for uh donald glover <laughs> so yeah it was really weird because it was like yeah like that's that's who i work for i was like wow that's cool i know who he is and then i discovered slowly but surely that the rest of the posse was famous but hey it's my one cool story from 2016 in a, in a year of not great things. That was like one highlight. So I got to milk it for what it's That worth. story blew my mind, by the way. Uh, it's <laughs> one of those nice uh, stories you get to tell people and you feel cool about yourself. But I still regret not getting a picture with them. But I was like, whatever. Castle, uh, what's your song of the week? So my song of the week is uh, Katy Perry's Chain to the Rhythm. Um, I really <laughs> thought it was... Uh, it kind of lended itself well to this particular podcast because I feel like this song more than others in recent top 40 uh, have kind of lended their story to me and their narrative more than because, you know, everyone knows I'm not very good with the lyrics. So this one kind of struck me and made me kind of think about what she's trying to say a little more than normally, even though the music is it's a hit. Way to go, Katie. Um, but <laughs> the story is kind of it's very relevant in kind of the political landscape and climate that we're in right now about People kind of being kind of caught up in their perfect lives and not wanting to look outside of uh, what's going on in the world and really take in the environment and this negativity that we're seeing. So I really enjoyed it. And I thought she was doing a great job of trying to get her message out there while also balancing it with kind of a club hit, which is kind of Mm -hmm. a a difficult thing to do, in my opinion. And uh, her performance at the Grammys, which I watched this weekend with my friend Tanya, (laughs) um, was really cool and kind of elaborated more on this idea of her song, but in kind of a dance form, which I thought was another cool aspect to bring to her communication of this narrative she's trying to portray. Yeah, I um I didn't get a chance to really dig into the lyrics, but uh, our friend Chris sent mm. me a message yesterday, and it was like, hey, if you listen to the song, the you know the lyrics are actually really good and deep, mm-hmm. and actually have good meaning. And I was like, oh, okay, that's nice. It's not like California Girls or <laughs> or no. Hot and Cold, I guess, or but, Peacock, um, or, <laughs> or or Peacock, as you just discovered. Oh my gosh, um, new fave. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, uh, haven't had a chance to listen to that one fully yet. I've heard it on the radio a few times, but I like the melody, but I'm glad she's back. Uh, it's been a while since she's had some hits, I think since the Super Bowl, when she had like Roar well, it and was, everything. Uh, I don't... It was the Olympics. She did Rise, right? Oh, that's right. She yeah. did do that one. I forgot about that one. Gotcha. I think it was your song of the week. How could you forget it? Just saying. Oh, that was mine. Oops. That was a long time ago. We just had so many podcast episodes. Shame, shame, shame. <laughs> shame upon your family. Shame upon your cow. <laughs> All the shame. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. What? It's from Mulan. Oh, shoot. I didn't even get that. that that's a good reference. Whatever. <laughs> Sorry, I laughed. Okay, Min, what is your song like? <laughs> <laughs> you never have to apologize for laughing on this podcast um my song of the week is one republic's i forgot the name of the lyrics. 
Oh, loser. No, no, wait, wait, wait. I, uh, <laughs> I had it recently. Hold on. Let me look it up. I have two computers up right now. Oh, it's called Let's Hurt Tonight, which I think reading through the lyrics just now are a little, you know, a little dirty, but uh, I think the message behind the music is supposed Nothing's to be like, dirtier than love peacock, so. and... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you're talking about the beautiful animal, duh. Um, mm-hmm. But no, the song, the song is, is great. I've heard it a couple of times again on the radio, but I listened to it a little bit yesterday, some more. Um, I had a chance to listen to One Republic my senior year of undergrad at a uh, amphitheater for a concert. And I have so much respect for an artist or a band who can perform live and sound amazing and then also sound great in the studio. Because a lot of times you hear people right. uh, and they're awful. They're just really bad. And you're like, Ugh. you know, and, and so the b- ability to sing live, I think, and sing it well, it makes me respect them a lot more because they actually have talent. Uh, Ryan Tedder, the vocalist for One Republic, is just beyond amazing. Has a great voice, and he sounded incredible in Atlanta when I watched him. So uh, that song is really good. He hits all the great notes, and uh, you guys will have to uh, go to our website and check out our Spotify playlist that Kessel kindly puts together after yes. every podcast episode. So um, yeah, that's my song of the week. Cool beans. Where do we go awesome. now? Awesome. We should wrap it up, I guess. Sure. What are, what are, uh, what are we Dakota, do? you want to help us wrap it up? Do you? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, no. I think he's falling asleep. Know, what do you want me to do? Him, I'm not falling asleep. It is 5 o'clock over there. You have no excuses for being tired. I actually just drank like two cups of coffee. So I'm like buzzed Whoa. right now. Oh, wow. Whoa. All right. Um, <laughs> what do you want him to What do you want him to do, Castle? Um, Tell me. Tell me what to do. <laughs> do you want to give him your famous line? My what? <laughs> do you want to give him your famous line, or would you like to keep Who, me? your famous line? Yes. Me? Mm-hmm. Oh, so what I normally will say is, you can find us in a variety of places, including facebook.com slash weatherhype. I mean, and he then, could just uh, say including, and then you could say facebook.com okay. slash weatherhype. Oh, how cute. All right. So you can you can just say the, the words, you can find us in a variety of places, including dot, 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 and I'll fill in the rest of it. Okay. And then at the end of everything, we'll say, until next time, (laughs) stay hyped. And we'll try to mesh it together so we all sound like really stupid, but like (laughs) corny and great at the same time. Cool beans? Wow. You do it in unison? No. No, we try to. And if it doesn't go in unison, it's usually better when it's the crap out of it. (laughs) I never actually get to the end because my drive is shorter than your episodes. And then I don't go back. (laughs) What? I am I'm a terrible listener. Oh no, you don't gosh. know what you're missing because at the end at the end is the best. We're not part. supposed to tell people, it's supposed to be a secret. But you know how you watch a movie and at the end of the trailers there's like a special deleted part yeah. or an extra deleted part? Scene. We do yeah, that for every movies. podcast episode. Yeah. Yeah. So Marvel or, or like Pixar, they do that. So Weather Hype has followed in the footsteps. So yeah, oh, after every crap. podcast episode after uh, we uh, finish out and the music fades, we actually have like a bonus extra yeah. where we put like you know, some goofy thing so where we stuff. messed up <laughs> i have to go through 24 pod- <laughs> podcast episodes now. we forgive you yes thanks <laughs> all right hit it up you can find us in a variety of places including weather hype <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> facebook.com slash weather hype uh, oh, twitter.com slash weather hype 
and you can listen to oh, this podcast. Oh, now he's taking on... everything, Kathleen. <laughs> I just decided take away, to take, take over. Away. <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> you can listen to this podcast on iTunes and your favorite podcast provider. And we'll post everything on weatherhype.com. I think mm-hmm. that's the site. Uh, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> It was taken by some guy that ma- that wanted us to pay like five thousand dollars for it. So yeah. Oh jeez. Yeah. So we said weather hype podcast. It is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so so wait wait a second here. <clears throat> you can find everything we talked about in this podcast at weatherhypepodcast.com, including all the songs of the week and any content that we talked about. The links are all there. Wow. Dang, he killed it. I know. What else do we have to say, Castle? We would love it if you would leave us a review um, on iTunes. Uh, we've had several new additions here recently, so keep those coming. We love to hear your feedback and suggestions. If you have any questions or would like to talk with us, you can always send us an email at weatherhype at gmail.com. And Dakota, go ahead and uh, give them your Twitter handle and how they can contact you. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I would, <laughs> I'd love it if uh, anyone listening to the podcast wants to hear more weather podcasts. Uh, you can find myself and Tyler Jankowski at The Weather Junkies. Uh, just Google that. You can find it on iTunes, your favorite podcast provider. Uh, you can find all of our podcasts at theweatherjunkies.com. Follow us on Twitter at the WX Junkies. Personally, I'm at WeatherDAC on Twitter, so hit me up. Contact me there, honestly. I mean, I have an email address, but um, email is for old people these days. So, Ooh. Uh, tweet tweet Ooh, at me. Tweet, send me that tweet. <laughs> <laughs> 140 characters or less. I'm just kidding. Email is cool. <laughs> also, we want to encourage you to listen to and reach out to the other podcasts that are included in National Weather Podcast Month. So you can go onto our website and click on the nice cloud logo that men created and it'll take you to the list of all the podcasts that are involved as well as a schedule on when they will be coming out yeah so uh we're glad that we had dakota on today and that was uh, awesome be part of national weather podcast month and we hope that you've learned some new information and uh you'll stay with us for season two season three and beyond anyway until, until next, next time, next time. <laughs> stay hyped stay hyped <laughs> oh jeez, well, that, that, that was, was perfect failure, but we're gonna keep it because that well that's what we do <laughs> six seasons in a movie outro ever but hey it's great yeah it's gonna be a trequel What's wait a sequel and then what's the third one that comes out? What's uh, that called? Uh, a trimester. I feel like we're in the same discussion. Trifecta. Not a trimester. <laughs> you say trimester. <laughs> um, you guys are in your third called? trimester. <laughs> what oh, are they called? Like three I movies. Know. I feel like we had the same debate one time. We never could answer. Try, try, try. Wait, there's like a name for the third movie. Maybe it's just a trilogy. Trilogy. To be. trilogy. Trilogy? No, trilogy describes all three. Third like in the series, movie like the, the in s- a series is called a uh, the third installment, perhaps installment, maybe I don't know. Anyway, um, all right. Interqual. So we'll say who? Who? Interqual. Paracool. <laughs> mm. <laughs>
Is this on Google or words, it's up in your head? Okay. <laughs> no, this was Google. No, this was Google, but I don't. Oh, I, Yahoo I mean, Answers. I bet they have a great answer. Who uses Yahoo Answers anymore? That's what old people use. <laughs> I'm going to ask Jeeves, actually. Not oh, ask Jeeves. Mm. The best that answer like is before the internet was around. <laughs> According to Wikipedia, it's threequel. That sounds Lame. like like the middle version between Dayquil and Nyquil. <laughs> Threequel. <laughs> <laughs> wow sorry this is just going in all directions we're gonna have a long bloopers section for this one bloopers but uh <laughs> what's the segment that. gonna be called castle um castle try something new yeah okay yeah because that happened when you uh were riding a jet ski or a, a jet ski boat? and yeah, i tried the salad when you ate salad and... when you ate salad for the first time <laughs> <laughs> what the heck castle how do you not like salad I didn't say I didn't like it. I had just not had. Tr- I've never tried it before. Isn't that weird? That I mean, I don't like to use the word weird like that. But yeah, that's definitely weird. <laughs> How do you normally use the word weird? Well, you know, in like a like a personal sense, it's like oh, that, that person doesn't wear shoes. Oh, that's weird. That person's oh, gotcha. That yeah. I feel like it's the same though. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. But yeah, do we want to say Catholic tries something new? Is that the segment? Yeah, I don't know if we're going to, like, do we want to have a segment name or... Uh, we can just say <laughs> We could have a and... really cool music and... <laughs> da, 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 castle castle tries something, something new. new. <laughs> yeah, and we'll sing it. There you go. <laughs>